Yeah. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with Georgie Porgy, the famous Georgie Porgy. Georgie, tell me a little bit about uh, how you got started here in music and what you're doing today. What am I doing? How did I get started in music? It was all a big mistake. <laughs> it was all a big mistake. It seemed like a good idea at the time. My whole life is that. Yeah. That it seemed like a good idea at the time. How about your life? Didn't it seem like a it, good it, idea it, at the time? Everything at, the, at, the, at the, any given moment, it's always good, isn't it? It seemed like a good idea yeah. at the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, guitar is your primary instrument? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's my primary and instrument. You've played all over the world, I'm sure. No, not all over the world. Like, let's say I've played in New York, I've played in Canada, I've played in Florida, I've played in Haiti. Yeah. And that, that might be it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Things like Connecticut, yeah, Boston. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, perfect. Want to give us a little piece? Just give us a little tune? Of sure, Anything, sure. your choice. Okay. If I should drive right off a bridge I know that I will think of you I think about the way you bathe in the morning A lovelier sight I'll never know I'll think of your lips warm as summer When I'm lost in the snow And your breath fresh as springtime When I'm caught in an undertow And if a train should hit me Your softness I'll think of And if Godzilla bit me the size of your love, the size of your love. If I should saw myself in two, I will think of you. I'll think of you. I'll think of you. <laughs> Thanks very much, George. Yeah, my pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, famous Georgie Porgy right there. Yeah, what? <laughs> this is Bruce Garber, and this is Through Your Eyes. Welcome to the show. Can you tell me what you've seen through your eyes? Hello, friends. Today I went on a photo walk through Boston. My friend Al came in from New York City as a guest speaker. It was great fun to catch up with Al. We met for lunch, took a few photos down by the waterfront before heading back to his hotel to meet Siley. From there we embarked on a photo walk through the streets of Beacon Hill to shoot the beautiful sights of a historic Boston neighborhood and take a few portraits of each other. The walk concluded across the Longfellow Bridge by sunset shots over the Charles River. And just as we were talking amongst ourselves, about not getting that sunset due to the all-day weather, the clouds started to open up and let the beautiful red sunset sky come through as the sun set over Boston. A few of us ended up at Cheers for dinner. You know, that place where everyone knows your name? It was a great day to enhance our photography skills, take beautiful pictures with some of Boston's most talented photographers, and to meet some new and old friends alike. Well done to the group. It was a fun day.
This is Bruce Gabba, and this is Through Your Eyes. Welcome to the show. Can you tell me what you've seen through your eyes? So thanks for joining, Ugo. I, you know, I was talking a little bit about carnival. I couldn't remember the word carnival in Venice that you just came back from, and you made me so jealous looking at some of those pictures. I wish I could have made it this year, but unfortunately, I couldn't get out there um, this time. Maybe next year. It's on my bucket list of things to do. I'd love to hang out and shoot some of those great things with you. Well, we'll definitely do it uh, next year again. And I like the idea you were telling me about that. Next year when you do the tour, which is in February time frame, I believe, is that you're going to put them back to back. So you'll shoot the carnival and then possibly, depending how the plans come together, shoot landscaping of Venice. Yeah, what what we're going to do this year, we just did one one tour slash workshop. It mm-hmm. was uh, six days. And it was most of it was about shooting the the masks, the costumes, the people that are dressed up for the carnival and everything, with a little bit of uh, scenery thrown in. Now, what we're let going me ask to... you, Ugo, when when you do that, the people that dress up are they models that are just walking the streets that they are, they are make not themselves available? Models. Do they pose for free? They're not professional models. Oh, they're not. They pose for free. There might be a few professional models mm-hmm. that also do it for, for fun. But now, when they, you take their photograph, do, do you tip them? Is No, absolutely not. Oh, nothing. They're there to have fun and to have their photographs taken. And the only now, thing they want... Do you have a photograph to... with them after the fact? Yes. Oh, you they do? Okay. You, we expect you to send them photos. Ah. But then they will share with their friends. Outstanding. Sounds like a, I mean, uh, you see, let me show you. I think I have them here. These are some CDs. Oh, wow. Every one of them has a business so what card. Are you, is that something that you printed out on your own? No, no. These are business cards. Oh. The models, the masks, carry those with them and they have the, their email address printed in. So they have the, the of course, the, their image, so you can remember. Recognize them. Yep, yep. Yeah, recognize so cool. them. And each one of them has an email address. And so when you when you're back, you will send them. Uh, uh, very cool. Very their cool. pictures. Now, how much My equipment, mother. Ugo? If I can ask a little bit, how much equipment do some of these photographers bring out? Now, I know you might have a tri a tripods allowed. Uh, it 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 ranges. Uh, from from the basics to to everything. I mean, uh, some people can just come there to to have fun in the streets and take pictures, and just a compact camera will do. I mean, mm-hmm. and it's especially during the weekend and in the final days, it can be very crowded, and there's tons of people with cell phones mm-hmm. that will. If you have a one of those nice, the nicer costumes, the people that if they walk down the street, right. It's a mess because everybody will stop them and will try to take a selfie together with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to walk 500 feet takes one hour. So what what we do is we have uh, good relationships with some of those people. So we organize private shoots. Ah. We go to, we did the shoots in our hotel where we stay in it. We, We did shoots in a palace. We went to uh, the grounds of a church where nobody was going, just to have some 
some private time without everybody around. Just and they will do that for free. Their jacket and, oh, I want to take a picture with you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, they, they, they would, and, they'll, and they'll go along to those locations with you. For free. Yeah, because, because they know we are good photographers. So we'll be taking good pictures. I mean, it, it's a very elaborate thing because the, the most elaborate costumes will take months to create. I mean, they, right, they, right. most of those, those people do not buy or rent their costumes. Right. right. They make them. And it yeah. takes a year to make one costume. Wow. So wow. make, and they will come to, to Venice with two or three or four different mm -hmm. costumes. And every Ooh, day they will wear a different one. So they are absolutely, they want to be seen. They mm -hmm. want to be photographed. And right. the better the photographer, the more likely they are to, to go with the photographer because they know they will take good pictures of them. Hey friends, we're here at Walden Pond. We're about to cross this bridge up to Thoreau's hut where he wrote those famous books. We're right here on Walden Pond. We made it through the woods. This is the site of Thoreau's cabin. It was actually pretty small. All I guess I needed to do was write, sleep, and eat. These rock gardens of inspiration are popping up everywhere around the world. We just stumbled on this one, right down the street from Thoreau's hut. Pretty cool, from Italy and Japan. I think it's just a very cool area to read some of these writings and the rock structures that are being made. I'm actually here with a friend of mine from Tokyo who just left his rock garden right over there. Here at the base of his hut, and where people are leaving these inspirational gardens of rocks, one of his famous quotes. And this is a view of Walden Pond. Like you can see some people are making rocks right at the water's edge. Very beautiful day, some reflections in the water. Here's one more view of Walden Pond. From the end, you can see some of the reflections in the water as the leaves are starting to turn color. What a beautiful spot. Hey guys, I just met some really cool people along the trail here by Walden Pond. They actually had the book, Walden. Let me take a picture with it and share it with all of you. Hey, this is Jared and Sophie. They're the ones who let me use the book. Thank you very much. It's been great no meeting and talking with you.
you guys, well, we made it down here to the south lot. We're going to be cruising all night long. Again, the music started right there with the DJ, and the speakers are up. We're all set to go. So this is going to be the first car I show you down here at the cruise. I haven't seen this one before. we got the music playing. Cruises are coming in. Just before we leave for the evening, I thought I'd let you know that if you want to see the interview with the man that owns that Red Hut Rod, check out my Facebook page. Hey everybody, I'm down here at Mass Cruises with a, with a new friend of mine, Jack. He has this car, it's called Cutdowns. Can you tell us what Cutdowns mean? Oh, a cutdown is back in the old days, they took the old coops and they, they used to cut them, cut them uh, horizontally, vertically, every, all kinds of different ways that they shorten the body, you know. So what you ended up with is this little, uh, this minimum, minimum uh, size body with this big engine. And they went like the Dickens, so they were really uh, a killer car out there. And you see a whole pack of these things flying around the speedway. They used to run on short oval tracks mostly in the, in, over here in New England. And uh, they had pretty big motors, as you can see. I don't know if you can see over here. This right. was a P27 with multi carburetors, and most of them had multi carburetors. Uh, other cars had six carburetors, four carburetors, and right. uh, it looked like a pack of wild hot rods flying around the street, you know? <laughs> they, really, they really went, and uh, they were exciting as all heck. You know? Very, very fun. And yeah. because you said it's on an over track, you were explaining to me just before we went live that in the front, you have this large tire here on the right side, and on the left side, if we could show it really quick, way over there, you got a, a, a thinner tire. That's because you're always making lefts, right? Yeah, that gives you the uh, left side weight bias. It lets the car kind of dip down on the inside. Right. So it lets you go through the corner faster. The car wants to have a measuring tape that you want to tip over, it's right. right. So if you got the thing leaning down more on the left side, it takes a lot more force to make that thing lift up and right. Right. So you go through the corners a lot faster, you get that left turn. And you were talking about that you did a little bit of work to it. You, you changed the the hydraulics, the master cylinder on the brakes. Yeah, we changed the, uh, put a, I just put a hydraulic valve down on it because it had the old mechanical leather. Right. And uh, then I changed the uh, old master cylinder. It was an old Theodore's model right. uh, brick pedal and master cylinder. And um, what do you call put this new style in just, just for, to make it more convenient for myself to move yeah, around. Yeah. You know? And uh, I just received a, a flyer here. One of the main reasons we're here tonight is to, to advertise the uh, Norwood Arena reunion. So you're having a good time, you're taking the car around, you're showing it, yeah. and occasionally you take it on the track and still run it around. Yeah, well, it's just been like, you know, it's kind of an exhibition thing. You, know, right. you, don't, you don't want to really take it out and slam into the wall and you got all these old pots going ahead. You know right, right, right. So right. It, uh, it's, it's a fun thing to do. You know? And then you also, I'm going to flip the camera around so everybody can see, you have a lot of old pictures here. Yes, yep. Talking yes. about the cutdowns, forerunners to the super modifieds, it's called. Yeah, the super modifieds are like right now. If you go to the races, they almost look like drags. They got these big, huge engines and big wings on the roof. Well, these these things were well, the cars that started all. They started to take the, like I was saying, the big old coupes and cut them sideways and down. You can see how narrow some of these cars are. And this is this is going back in the early '60s and late '50s, you know. Right. And uh, 
here's one here. You, I don't know if you can see it better. This guy has six carburetors, you know? And they all have more. This one has three carburetors. But they all had multi carburetors. You don't see that nowadays in racing. You don't have them using one four barrel or something, you know? Right. And it's, uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's, a fun, it's a fun thing. And if you're, if you're too bad people couldn't get out to experience seeing these things run, because in the day, they're very well, Jack, I appreciate you taking a few minutes with me and talking about your car, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to have fun watching this. Okay, I hope they do. Thanks very much. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Hey, guys, I'm here live with the designer of the fashion show that you just saw from the Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week here in Tokyo. And can you tell me what inspired this year's collection? So um, when he was a student, he loved this photographer called Sarah Moon. Have you heard of Sarah Moon? No. no. So Sarah Moon, her photo, her, she's a photographer, and her, she's unique for her subtle and gentle style of photography. And she used to photograph in the 1930s. And その six months ago when he was planning for this collection he was designing and then he suddenly had a flashback of Sarmoon and what he liked about Sarmoon is and basically Sarmoon used to take photographs in the 1930s and then he thought that today's you know, the ebb and flow of today's society, today's world, is really similar to the 1930s. And that is, 1930s is between the First World and the Second World, it's a time of peace. Now it's kind of, you know, the, the society is a little unpredictable. Very interesting. Yeah. And same thing with the, the, the fabric, the texture, the colors, same type of inspiration from this photographer? Fabric and texture, Yes, definitely, definitely. In your collection, is it available now to purchase? Not all, but like a third. A third is going to try to, you know, set out from now. In, in, in what stores can you purchase these types of, in, in the world? TV shopping, online shopping, and also online. So online, if people wanted to buy some of these collections, where would they go online to purchase? So online, where do you can search for it? Ah, okay. So it's he's it's uh, he's on this channel called Jupiter Shop Channel, but their website, Jupiter Shop Channel's website. Jupiter? 
Hi, I'm here with Ray Goulet today, and we're going to talk about his career in photography. Welcome, Ray. Thanks, Bruce. I'm glad you're here. This should but, be fun. It should be, yeah. <laughs> so it's we're both members of the Stony Brook Camera Club, and it's the 50th year anniversary of the club. Ray, can you tell me a little bit, when did you get involved with the club, and how, how did you get involved? Uh, I joined in 1980, so it's 40 years ago, and uh, because of my dad. Uh, my dad was a great photographer. Uh, and uh, we were we were members of the Providence Camera Club at the time and dad came to me one time and he said you know I hear at Stony Brook is a pretty good club and they're having a member show they call it a salon and that's what they called a member show it was a yearly event they invited the public so we went to see it and we were blown away uh, at the great pictures and and the uh, you know the the whole the audiovisual stuff so we dropped Providence and joined Stony Brook, and uh, that's how we got started. So tell me a little bit about your dad. Um, what type of photographer was he? Uh, dad was, oh boy, he just loved photography. Uh, he was a printer, and uh, his uh, main job in printing was uh, to, to make uh, catalogs of jewelry companies. Uh, we had a lot of jewelry companies in Attleboro at the time, Swank, Balfour, uh, a lot of religious jewelry companies, Jeweled Cross, for instance, and uh, so he would take pictures of their, of whatever they made and make a catalog out of it. Uh, but he also was really interested in photography, uh, I think mainly to, to uh, document his family. He was just, he was a great family man and uh, he, uh, he took pictures all the time of us kids and our kids' kids and our cousins and everything. and it was so it was a family affair so uh, and but we both kind of got into camera clubs at the same time and and into competition photography uh, dad had what I call the Cadillac of the wet dark room he had he was a black and white and a color print producer and he was he was great at it uh, he was he was an expert in the zone system he took courses uh, in that and uh, he also got very interested in color prints before anybody was making color prints at home, he was doing it. Mm -hmm. And he actually started the color print competition at Stony Brook. Uh, he started it and was the first uh, chairman and I was the second and it goes on from there. Uh, so, yeah, so, uh, and when I was a little kid, uh, maybe five or six years old, and I, and I, I always tell people, when I learned to behave myself in the dark room, he would bring up a stool and let me sit on the stool and he'd take a blank piece of paper under a red safe light, put it into the, the, the developer and all of a sudden a picture came up. And can you imagine a five-year-old seeing that? I mean, it just, wow, look at that. <laughs> so uh, that's how it all started. Yeah, that's and, a very familiar story. My, my dad was a photographer as well and he, I remember the exact yeah. same story. He took me into the dark room and. He says, yeah. I'm now going to show you some magic. There's going to be a picture that appears from this white piece of paper. Yeah. And I go, no way. <laughs> it, it is magic. There's no it question is. about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we joined and, uh, Stony Brook in 1980 and uh, went on from there. It was, it was just, it turns out it was one of the best uh, decisions I ever made in my life was to join Stony Brook Camera Club. Sure. And is, you have some pictures that you're going to share. Is, you want to show that first picture? Is that sure? Uh, this is not a picture I took, or that my dad took, but this is my parents, uh, taken in 1932, and it does have a very strong 
Stony Brook connection. Uh, my parents were at a at a uh, an engagement party for my mother's uh, one of my mother's friends. They worked together at the Attleboro newspaper, and uh, they, my parents were engaged at the time. Uh, and the uh, the gentleman who was marrying this person that he was getting engaged to uh, took some pictures, and it turned out he ended up being the science teacher for Dot Perrin, who was one of my great influences at Stony Brook, what a wonderful person. We call her the heart and soul of Stony Brook. Uh, so she's long since gone, sadly, but, uh, and then he moved, uh, this gentleman, his name is Al Weber, moved to Delaware. And, I, and at one point I happened to have a, uh, a show in Delaware. I was judging down there and I, they wanted me to put on a show. So I, I did and, and Dot called down to her old teacher and said, there's this guy Ray Gallet coming down from my camera club. <laughs> so uh, one thing led to another and we were out at dinner down in Delaware and he said, Ray, I've got something for you. And he gave me this picture of my parents. And this is in the 80s and this is night, this has taken 50 years before that. Wow. So, and the wonderful thing about it is that uh, uh, it showed my parents in their youth uh, and uh, at this point uh, in, in the 80s, my mom was getting kind of frail, and uh, so it was really overwhelming to see a beautiful picture like this. So just out of nowhere, this guy comes up, gives me this picture of my parents, and I just totally, totally blew me away. What a was, great memory. It was, one, it was a wonderful moment. So yeah. mom and dad, <laughs> especially dad. And, and dad, uh, dad was, uh, he's always getting new cameras. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I always got his his previous camera <laughs> to use. <laughs> I've got one here. This is a Zykes Icon Contessa. It's basically a point and shoot, but I used it in high school, uh, which is many years ago, to shoot football games and so forth, and I thought I was really hot stuff with that. Uh, and then the last hand-me-down was this Leica Flex, uh, which Dad bought at the Leica factory in Germany. Uh, on a trip that they were taking and uh, so uh, when he graduated uh, <laughs> or got tired of it uh, then I got it so but uh, but now I use I use Olympus yeah for uh, everybody that's watching these are old film cameras back in the day absolutely. there was no such thing as digital no no these are all film dad's whole photography uh, career was in film mm -hmm. and you still enjoy shooting film don't you I love film, uh, and it's a long, not a long story, but a little convoluted story. However, uh, I just love film, and uh, I, I love the fact that you take a picture and you're done. <laughs> you don't have to do anything else, but you have to do all the work before you push that button to make a good image. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think, uh, you know, that's, that is enough to keep me happy. And uh, I do have a film camera, I have a, an iPhone, of course, and I have a digital Olympus camera uh, that I use, but uh, I still, I'll be honest with you, I still prefer film just because of its simplicity. So in, in the digital world, Ray, a lot of people now use Photoshop and Lightroom and other editing applications mm -hmm. to post-produce their films, mm -hmm. unlike journalism, where you take the picture right in the camera and that's what it is because that's, that's journalism. Right. In the in the film days, as you mentioned, you have to do all your setting and creating that image in camera. 
Right. But but you've taken it to slightly a different level where you can do some post-processing in kind of a unique way. You mentioned that you do some shows. Can you touch on a, on, right. a, on that a little bit on how you how you show your images okay. during a show? Uh, well, uh, I usually have two or three projectors, mm -hmm. and I have a dissolve unit, uh, which is uh, it's a just a very simple digital software that allows me to bring out a picture from a chosen projector when I want it, and then maybe blend it into another one. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I do what I call montaging, uh, both before and, and after the projection. Uh, and one before is to take two images which are, uh, which are underexposed, mm -hmm. put them together, and it makes one image that's correctly exposed. And sometimes I'll do it where I make a sharp image and I'll montage it with a fuzzy image of the same thing and you'll get kind of a kind of a dreamy look to it and uh, other times uh, I'll do all kinds of crazy stuff I've got a couple of things I can show you here uh, but it's it's just fun and uh, again once I click once I click that button <clears throat> I'm pretty much done uh, I'll also do montaging on the screen mm -hmm. where I'll put a picture up say a picture of an interior with a lot of dark spaces and then I'll project a second image uh, from from a, from a second or sometimes a third projector uh, that fills in the dark spaces with usually color mm -hmm. uh, so those are the kind of, so you know it's you're not totally done when you press the button but it depends on what you want to do with and how you image. show it and, and you mentioned that you you have this technique during your shows can you talk a little bit about where you do show your images well, uh, where I have shown them, <laughs> there's not a big demand for, for digital show, for film shows at this point. <clears throat> um, I've done, however, I w <clears throat> I've been lucky enough to do uh, 20 shows, uh, I'm sorry, 19 shows at the New England Camera Club Council Conference at UMass in July. It's, uh, this, we're gonna, we've been doing this for 74 years, uh, the, doing the conference. And uh, it's grown into a, uh, uh, you know, a wonderful thing where we get people from all over the country, uh, the best photographers, pros and otherwise. And uh, so I was fortunate enough to do 19 shows there. Um, some of them were instructional. Some of them were just uh, what I call audiovisual, uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, showcases <laughs> with slides put to music. So. And you've done and, a number of shows elsewhere as well. Yeah, I've taken these same shows <clears throat> to different camera clubs in the New England area, even as far as uh, uh, Hollywood, Florida, uh, Niagara Falls, <laughs> uh, Chicago. So, You've been all over the place. Yeah, so it's, it's, that's a challenge, taking all your equipment in the plane, but you know, mm. whatever. <laughs> and you've even had a few write-ups in, in a local photography magazine. Uh, well... Yeah, uh, ma mainly the New England Camera Club Council Bulletin, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, which go comes out three, t two or three times a year. Um, I've also been <clears throat> was lucky enough to get into popular photography. I had an article with images in February of two thousand seven, and this came about um, when I was at a PSA International PSA is Photographic Society of America. Every year they hold an international conference somewhere, usually in the U.S., uh, and in 
2006, they held it in Baltimore. So I was down in Baltimore, I did a show, and I showed, I, I have a sequence uh, where I, ha I took graffiti images, and so I took my two images, reversed them, and put them together like that, and then sometimes I would do this to it. So, uh, and just so happened that the senior editor of Popular Photography was in the audience, you know, I had no idea. And I had, and he never, didn't come up to me afterwards, but I got a letter in the mail at, at my office uh, about a week later, which I thought was a hoax, must have been, oh, this is somebody's playing a big joke on me. It says, we would like to put you in popular photography. I said, yeah, right. So, <laughs> but it, it happened. And, uh, and I had an image, uh, I had a, about three pages in popular photography. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, it was fun. It was exciting. <laughs> so you have a few more images on the on the couch there. I'd like to share some of those. Sure. Um, okay. This one I took basically right down the street. Uh, this also has a Stony Brook connection. Uh, we had a field trip out to Dame Farm, which is an old farm in Smithfield, Rhode Island. Ken Wiedemann was with me, and he picked up this leaf, and he said, Ray, look at this leaf, you might want to photograph this because you know that I had, so I did, I brought it home. Uh, I put it into the, my biggest book, which was Grey's Anatomy at the time. <laughs> I flattened it out overnight so it was totally flat. Uh, and it had to, had to be flat because there's very little depth of field. So I got up the, the next morning and went into a field down the street. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of mist and dew on the grass and I laid down on the grass, we call it wet belly photography, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, I took this picture with, the, with my macro lens wide open. And the reason I wanted it wide open is I wanted all these little circles to be perfect circles because if you close down the lens, they would take on the shape of the uh, aperture, uh, of the lens itself. So that's how, so this is backlit and uh, no post-processing on that. So I did that one. Very cool image. Yeah, it's fun. This one <clears throat> I took up in the Adirondacks at, uh, in the morning uh, at the side of a river and uh, it was beautiful foliage on the other side of the river and the sun was hitting the foliage but was not hitting the river. Uh, so I was able to get these nice reflections uh, in there. So again, this is with a uh, telephoto lens, probably about 100 uh, millimeter, 100 to 150. And, uh, as fast as I could. No polarizer used on this because you don't want to eliminate that reflection in the water. So the gold is all reflection in the water from the leaves mm. on the other side of the river. Very great. That one, that was fun. Uh, I did a lot of uh, indoor, what I call indoor flower photography right downstairs in this house. And uh, I do it in the afternoon because we've got a west window so we've got beautiful light coming in all afternoon. And I put down a piece of mylar, which is basically a thick aluminum, aluminum foil, and to get that reflection, and uh, I shot it with uh, reflectors. So there's, there's no light directly on the flower, but it comes in, and I have a reflector here, and it bounces off my reflector and onto the, the flower. So that's a lot of fun. I did this for years and years. Very nice. That was a lot of fun. Uh, this is Mount Katahdin up in Baxter State Park, up in Maine. Uh, I think my favorite place in the whole world <laughs> is Mount Katahdin. Uh, it's the up, is the, the uh, 
upper end of the Appalachian Trail. And uh, I took this from Tracy Pond. Uh, and uh, if you can see the slope coming up here, this is, this is the last five miles of the Appalachian Trail. And uh, the summit, of course, is up here. And uh, I've climbed it many times uh, uh, until it got to be too hard for me. <laughs> and now I don't climb it anymore, but I've got some pictures to remind what me. What a great sky there as well. Was. Yeah, we were lucky to get a good sky that day. So, so that was fun. Um, I, like to, uh, I like to go to the Boston Marathon every year. And I position myself at the very top of Heartbreak Hill. And uh, I shoot, uh, this is with a 50 millimeter lens, uh, wide open, and I just pan along as the runners go by. And so all the people on the other side of the street get, get blurred out and you get a nice even background. So that's, that's what I do with that. So that's probably about a one second, anywhere from a half to a one second exposure. And that's all in camera? All in camera, yeah. yeah. Very cool. This is a lot of fun. That's a, really a fun thing to do. And, okay, here we go. I also love the Adirondacks. That's where I hike and climb nowadays because the mountains are smaller. <laughs> At least some of them are. This is <clears throat> from Mount Joe. And I've climbed it, oh, probably a couple dozen times. But this particular day, there was a couple up there and they were engaged and just about to be married. And so they asked me if I would take a picture of them. So I did. And I sent them a copy of the picture and uh, turned out to be you know, a nice picture. So this, but this is uh, Mount Algonquin in the background, and Heart Lake is the lake in the foreground. So, and you get some of that the light uh, streaming from the yeah, sky the down light too. On the, down. Yeah. yeah, the light streams. Yeah. So yeah, it's a fun place. It's it's an easy climb. It's a little over a mile, and this one takes a little bit of explaining. I hope you don't mind, but this is one of my abstracts. I got. Uh, I was heavily influenced by a Stony Brook member by the name of Dave Hughes. Uh, we became great friends. We went out shooting a lot. I'll tell you more about Dave later if we have the time, but uh, he influenced me to really think in the abstract and think about design and color and not really what we were looking at, but what the color and the design was doing. So, uh, and he also inspired me to be more creative. Uh, so the way I took this picture, this is, this is what you're looking at is a piece of glass. It's a castaway from the glass blowing laboratory at Rhode Island School of Design. So I went in there after, after the laboratory was closed and I went searching around in the, in the, uh, the, the barrel where they threw their, their uh, rejects and burned my hand of course. <laughs> but but I, got, I got several of these little pieces of glass and when I mean little, they're maybe about that big. Seriously, uh, and I shot it at eight to ten times lifetime with a with a bellows and a macro lens, um, and I put a ba a colored background in back of it. I have these colored background that I would paint myself, or uh, it's usually something I made myself. And so because if you move the background, the whole color scheme changes. So it's a lot of fun. So I took that, and then it was a slide. Uh, at the, this was maybe 15 years ago, there was a place in Providence, a lab where you could bring them a slide and they would make, they had a, what they called a Canon laser copier. Mm. And you could make a, a print from that slide, which I did, but it was a paper print, it wasn't glossy. So then 
to finish it off, I took fluorescent paint and kind of sprinkled it like that onto the onto the thing. So, you know, it's <laughs> either you like it or you don't. I happen to like it. Yeah, it's very and interesting. Actually, was lucky enough to get a thirty on this at Camera Club, nice. <laughs> and uh, which is the highest score in the rating system. Yeah, we yeah. I don't know. I just I don't know why, but I did. But uh, very nice. It was fun. So so there we go. Those are my prints. <laughs> so after sharing some of those pictures, Ray, very interesting, great, great work. Can you tell me a little bit about, um, in your opinion, it's, it's just a question, it's a thought that I kind of ponder from time to time. Because we're all photographers now. We all have the smartphones in our pocket and they all have amazing cameras in it. So we all think that we're photographers. But in, in your opinion, what do you think the difference is between creating an image as a photographer and taking a snapshot? I think it's the pre-exposure uh, work that you do. Uh, the work of looking and seeing, uh, the work of, of uh, making sure all your settings, multiple settings now on cameras, uh, make sure that's all correct. And um, looking for the best light at uh, the best time of day, uh, and most importantly, is viewpoint. Uh, you have to decide, do I want to be here or here? And sometimes just a couple of feet can make a big difference. Or do I want to be here or here? Uh, and, um, you know, high or low. So all those things, uh, you know, that, that's the part of photography that I love. <laughs> and that, that's the part of the creative process that the more images or pictures or snapshots that you take you start to develop that creative eye and you start to look at things a little bit differently yeah. and the next time you go out you know maybe your photo taking your image yeah. creation is just a little bit better thank you yeah, yeah perfect fun. i, I love fun. that answer i always it's a question i always like to ask because yeah. people have very different answers to it yeah <laughs> and um i know that you do some judging you mentioned some competitions that we have you got a 30 on that one of those pictures that you showed us. Can you tell us a little bit about judging and your involvement with that? Well, uh, in camera clubs in this area, uh, if you do well and uh, you know you you win some awards, uh, you become a judge uh, because the word gets around and other camera clubs will call and say, hey, would you come and judge for me? So I've done that a lot and uh, that's a lot of fun too because then you get to try to help other people, try to give them Try to first of all tell them what's what they've done right, uh, what you really love about their images, and most importantly, is there a way you could change it and make it look better? Mm -hmm. So uh, that's been fun. You know, I talk about impact and uh, first, usually impact. You know, what what makes you look at it and say, oh boy, makes you look twice. Uh, so there's a lot of things that. And, and that falls into play, like you talked about, just the changing of the angle of that photograph mm -hmm. and the composition of yeah. that photograph can yeah. give it just that more or less impact right. of, of the same picture. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> now, Ray, I know you're not a professional photographer. Well, using professional photographer or hobbyist photographer is a, kind of a catch-22 a little bit, but did you put food on the table with your photography, or how did you how, how did you do that? We would have starved if I did that. <laughs> no, uh, I from the beginning, photography was was uh, fun. 
it was fun. I mean, let's face it, that's what I was out for. Uh, I'm a physician, a pediatrician, retired for two years, but I worked for 46 years as a pediatrician, and I loved it. I love working with kids. It's, it's, a, it's a privilege to do that. Uh, and yet, it takes its toll uh, in terms of uh, just, uh, I don't know how to say it, just well, just because you're responsible a lot for a whole lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. So uh, I found that photography, uh, especially with my dad in the in the beginning, was a great way to kind of get away from that and direct my energy into because you 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 expend a lot of energy in that type of work. Sure. And direct my energy in another direction. And it turned out to be creative and fun at the same time. So. Yeah. Not only a physical energy, what I like about it as well, I mean, I agree with everything you say, but it's it's a mental diversion as well. It takes your oh, mind, because yeah. when you're actually creating an image in manual mode on, on these DSLR cameras, you're giving it a lot of thought on what yeah. type of composition you're trying to create and what do I need to do to the camera to help me get there. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, exactly. very, very, yeah, very nice. Fun. Yeah, it's, so it's, I mean, it's a great way to uh, get away from it all, uh, but, and to do something constructive, and um, to, just to find that you have talents other than what you do for, for work is, mm -hmm. is kind of neat. You know? So, Ray, part of the, going back to the Stony Brook Camera Club, can you tell me, what's, if, if I had to ask you one question, how would you answer this? How did the club, what was the most impactful part of the club to you? Mm -hmm. That's easy. Uh, meeting the people. I've met some fantastic people at Stony Brook. I mean, we're all photographers. We're all creative. Uh, and, um, but even more important than that, we're all looking out for each other. Uh, there's a great tradition of sharing at Stony Brook, I think most camera clubs, but I think at Stony Brook more than, than others. Uh, the, from the minute I joined, there were certain people like Dot and Russ Perrin. Um, they've, they've gone, uh, they've passed away, but they were just fantastic people. Uh, and they made sure that after every competition, they would come up to me and say, you know, I really like what, this is, you know, the judge has said one thing. They'll come up and give me their take on it it was usually positive, and but then Russ would say, you know, next time you do that, why don't you try this? And <laughs> he was always right. So, so I mean, I learned a lot, uh, but also I had people supporting me. So Dot and Russ Perrin, number one. Um, I also met probably some of my very best friends, not probably, definitely, some of the best friends I'll ever have in my life. Uh, they all come from photography, not from medicine. <laughs> um, but, uh, for instance, Dave Hughes. Dave Hughes passed away in 1995. He was, without a doubt, the most creative person I have ever met. And it's, <clears throat> excuse me, um, he worked in slides. Uh, he, this was before the digital era. And uh, everybody used to say, oh, I would love to see what Dave would have done with digital. But he did it all with photography. He was a master of multiple exposures. He had no rules, no rules. He made the rules, and he made his images according to his rules. And uh, they were different, they were beautiful, and uh, 
they were shocking. <laughs> so uh, he was great. And we'd go out together and we'd talk about color, we'd talk about abstracts, design. You know, we didn't talk about, let's find a red barn. We just, he, he, he could take a bush and spend a couple of rolls on that bush and come out with some fantastic stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was, he was a great person to be with. We, we had a lot of photo outings. Um, the sad part about Dave Hughes is that he died too young. He died at age 53. Wow. Had a heart attack at age 50. Uh, and uh, he produced, I think he produced six, uh, six showcases at the New England Camera Club Council. And he died in uh, 95, 1995, just three weeks before his last showcase was to be shown at the NECCC conference. So Roy Marshall, who's also a charter, a founding member of Stony Brook, and I got together. Roy put the end of his show, the show wasn't finished, he, but it was on the light table. So he put it together because he knew Dave well. And the two of us showed it at the NECCC conference. And uh, I got a chance to introduce him and, ex and tell the world just what I thought about him. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was great. What a privilege. That's, that's the show we took to Chicago, uh, Roy and I did. So uh, that was, so the, you know, he really, he really uh, got me to look in the abstract world. Mm -hmm. So. Um, also, uh, there was a couple other members uh, uh, I mentioned, oh, I haven't mentioned, John Fuller, who was a founding member. Uh, John was sort of the guiding light of Stony Brook in the early years. He always had the best interests of the club and the members in his heart. And so he was just a wonderful person. He kind of, you know, steered us in the right direction. Bob Yankee, who was a founding member. Uh, Bob uh, was the, uh, he, among other things, he was the uh, he was the program director at the New England Camera Club Council, and when I put my first show on, you put it on in the auditorium. There's 300 people there. I was scared stiff. You know, I just didn't know what to do. Bob came over, took me uh, took me aside, and said, "Look, we're going to do this." And he helped me all the way along. Uh, uh, I, I couldn't have done it without Bob. So, and Bob's founder of Stony Brook. So that's mm -hmm. the kind of friendship that you get at Stony Brook. Um, Jean Burke has also passed away, again, too young. She was, well, she was in her 60s, but she was a school teacher in Natick. She was a, a world traveler and she loved children. She was a first grade teacher, so she did shows on Ireland, uh, anywhere you can think of, Italy, uh, all around the world, the Galapagos Islands, Antarctica. Uh, so she did shows on that and she was just a, just a fun person to be with. We, you, know, you always ended up smiling after you were with, with Jean for a while. Uh, and after she died, uh, I, was, I asked for her slides. I said, can I have Jean's slides? And they gave them to me. Her, a friend, she had no family. They, they, a friend of hers gave them to me. And I made up a showcase just as a tribute to her. And I showed that uh, the next year, the year after she died. And so, you know, but she was just a person who made you smile. She was just yeah. a lot of fun. She also brought you down, if you thought you were on a high level, she brought <laughs> you down to, to reality, but in a nice way. <laughs> um, Lucille Maynard. Uh, Lucille Maynard died about a year ago, well, less than a year. She's from Fall River. Uh, she was uh, 
she's just a wonderful person. We used to call each other buddies. And she was a, uh, uh, she, she was a great photographer, but she was just a great person. Uh, her husband died early in life. Uh, I left her with two disabled boys uh, who are now adults. And she took them right through. Uh, she overcame uh, that. She overcame heart attack, breast cancer, and she still managed to be active in photography and go on photography tours to Arizona and places like that. So you looked at her and it was an inspiration to figure, well, if she can do that, sure. <laughs> I guess I could do it. So she was, just, but she was just a fun person to be with. And I can't stop mentioning people without mentioning Andre Bork. Andre is now my buddy. We, we're, we are buddies for life, best friends. And we have so much fun when we go out together. It's usually just he and I. And we don't stop talking. It's not our hands and feet that get tired at the end of the day. It's our voices. <laughs> and and by, by the time we finish the day, we've solved all the world's problems. <laughs> Unfortunately, nobody listens to us. But, but uh, that's the kind of friend he is. He's also a great photographer, fantastic photographer. He's taught me a lot. So, you know, as people like that, uh, starting with my dad all the way up to Andre, present day, who have just been such a big positive force in my life. Thank you, Stony Brook. So. <laughs> well, Ray, I want to say thank you for spending a few moments with us, talking about your career in photography and in your life and the friendship that you made along yeah. the way with yeah. people at Stony Brook and beyond. So. It was a great pleasure listening to your stories. and Thank you, Bruce. It's been a pleasure. And I, I hope you at home enjoy Ray's stories, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks again, Ray. Thank you for the opportunity.